Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Good to have you with me today. This is uh, Sunday, June the 12th. If I've got all my calculations done correctly and looked at my, my calendar just right, June the 12th, 2022. Hard to believe this. We're into the sixth month of 2022. This year's half over. Okay, I hope you got your seatbelts fastened this morning because I'm going to get into some things that I'm sure are going to challenge you broaden your borders a little bit, maybe uh, shake your cosmos, um, push you off the shore, fire up the crock pot, because we're going to go deep on a few things this morning that I want you to absorb, I want you to consider, I want you to just drink in and let the Spirit of God do a work in you. One thing about the Digital Cathedral, we just keep moving, don't we? And we keep growing, we keep going. This journey that we're on is unbelievable, it's fantastic. And the Father has been so gracious and so good to continually feed us fresh manna that we can come every week and share together and live out uh, the life of Jesus as he is in this present world. All right, I wanna begin over at John chapter six and verse 46 this morning. John chapter six and verse 46, and I'm gonna go to John chapter 14. Jesus makes an interesting statement here in John chapter 6 and verse 46. He says, Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Now, when I was, I was contemplating on that scripture this week, <clears throat> the thought came to me, if God is spirit, then how did Jesus ever see the Father? Because you don't see spirit with your natural eyes. Yet Jesus said, no one has seen the Father, which I can totally agree with. Elijah never claimed to have seen the Father. Moses saw the backside, he said, of God. Um, Isaiah, any of the prophets never claimed to have seen God. And yet here is Jesus, and he affirmed that. And he said, not anyone has ever seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. So if God is spirit, how did Jesus see him? Well, as I contemplated and meditated on that a little bit, I thought about the verse over in, in John chapter 14 and verse 9 when Jesus said this. John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I not been so long, and yet have you not known me, Philip? Watch. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I think that's exactly what Jesus was getting at here. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus was a flesh representation of the Father. Now, I've said that before. I've drilled that because that's how we get a right perception of God is looking at the life of Jesus. But let me take this down just a notch. Let me take this down just a notch. I'm going to go back to John chapter 6 and verse 46. It says, Not anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. All right, let me just pull you into that circle. In that day, you'll know that you're in the Father and your Christ is in you and you're in Him and the three of us are all entangled together. Which means that you have come from God also. So here's, here's what I think is working in the sons of God today, the sons that are manifesting, the daughters that are manifesting. We're coming to a place when we have seen the Father because we've seen Jesus. And that outworking in us is transforming our life, listen to me, to where now I want you to begin to declare, if you have seen me, you, if you have seen me, not Don Keithley, but you need to declare, Susie, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because you have been sent from God. And I think people need to see a flesh representation of the Father today. There's no flesh representation of Jesus on the planet except you. You are the flesh representation of Jesus. 
Jesus came to show us exactly what the Father looks like. And in doing that, listen to me carefully, in doing that, he came to make us an atheist. He makes us an unbeliever to the God that Adam created in his mind. A God of separation, a God of anger. As soon as Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he weaned off the tree of life, went to the wrong tree. This happens to us the same today. As soon as he did that, he had a wrong conception of the Father. He saw God as angry. There, there was no indication that God was ever angry with Adam. He saw God separated from him, when in fact God went looking for him in the cool of the evening. Now here's what's happened. That, that wrong conception of God as being angry and separated from man has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. It seems to have been firm time after time in the Old Testament until Jesus came. All right, so Jesus comes and he gives us an accurate picture of the Father, but this, this inaccurate picture has been handed down from generation to generation. This view that Adam had. Now, I came to a conclusion more than 20 years ago after having ministered for three and a half decades at that point. I came to the conclusion that I personally did not believe in the God that Adam planted in our mind either. That was not my father. That's, I couldn't, you know, probably if you, I could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father because I, I would represent that angry, separated God. You know, I would not have anything to do with, with uh, what I thought was blatant sin or people that sin. I didn't want to, uh, that stuff to jump on me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But I came to the conclusion that that was not who God was. So I became an unbeliever of that God, an atheist to him. And I hope that you have also. Also, also, can I just say this right along with it? God is not confined to our static theology. God is not boxed in the box that we often put him in. You, you can't keep the infinite in a finite box. You cannot keep an unlimited God limited to a static theology. Also, also, God does not dwell in temples <clears throat> or churches that are made with hands. One of the greatest revelations that Paul gave to us, and, and we have, you know, people don't really talk about this too much or the ramifications of it, but one of the strongest revelations that Paul gave us is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 when he said that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That is a powerful revelation. You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. If you're the temple, then the Father does not hesitate at all to, to work through you like he worked through Jesus and cleanse the temple, refine the temple, restore the temple. He's doing that kind of work in you. How does he do that? He's not at all adverse to clearing the temple, cleaning the temple. Now, that, it's not going to come through sickness or disease or poverty. That's not how he works. I'm going to show you exactly how he cleans the temple, how he clears your life of all the clutter, all the nonsense, all the static. It's very clear. Jesus told us exactly. In John chapter 15, in John chapter 15 and verse 3, John chapter 15, uh, is that right? Verse 3. Yes, he says this, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. 
you are already clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Now, what is the word that he's spoken to us? The word that he's spoken to us is that we're guiltless, is that we're innocent, is that we're out without sin, that we are perfect, that there's nothing wrong with us. We're not broken. As we, as we acknowledge that true word, it clears us out. You're not clean as a temple because of, of the effort that you do to make your, yourself pure. You're pure because he says you're pure. In fact, Paul, Paul affirms that in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. In Ephesians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, he just affirms this very thing. Watch. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Here's the part of the verse I wanted to get at. Jesus said, you're clean through the word that I've spoken. The word that he speaks to us by the spirit of God is that we're clean, we're justified, we're redeemed, we're righteous, we're perfect. Now here's what he says, that you should be holy and without blame before him or in his sight, the way that he sees you, you should be holy and blame without blame before him in love. So when love looks at you this morning, when perfect love looks at you, he sees you as holy, sees you blameless, sees you righteous. And that's the word that he speaks to you. I hope you grab onto this this morning. I know this is probably, you have not heard teaching like this before. I'm teaching you some things that you should have been taught years ago because we'd be further down the road if we were. So you don't clean yourself up. You don't clean the temple. You don't try to be sinless. You don't try to be perfect. You're clean because he's declared you to be perfect. In his eyes, you're righteous. In your eyes, he's justified. You're redeemed. You're everything that you need to be. You're not broken. You don't need fixing. You don't have a sin nature. You don't have an endemic nature. The Father delights in, in burning up the dross in our life as he opens our eyes, as he opens our eyes to the deep things, to the good things that he's prepared and freely given to us. And as our eyes open to that, we, we start to see ourselves as he sees us. And a, and a tremendous transformation takes place when you see you as God sees you. Our problem has been, we don't see us like God sees us. We see us like religion has portrayed us, that we're lost, we're undone, we're, we're unworthy, uh, we're never amount to much, that if we make it into heaven, it's gonna be by the skin of our teeth. You know, we're going to stand before God. He's going to judge us. And we're not going to know till that exact moment when he's all done judging us, whether thumbs up, thumbs down, where, where our eternal destiny is. That's not God's plan for you. That's not God's plan for you. We have to move past that. We got to move by that. He, he loves to reveal the deep things to us of what he has prepared and what he's already freely deposited and given to us. Let me read a couple more verses. Going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning, if that's all right. Let me pick this up in Ephesians chapter 1, and let's go, let's start down at verse 16. Paul said, I do not cease to make mention of you in my prayers. Now, here's what Paul prayed. Here's my prayer for you at the Digital Cathedral this morning. I'm going to pray exactly for you, and I'm, I'm going to make this affirmation over your life, the same thing that Paul did for the church at Ephesus. All right, here's what I pray for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit that, I'm jumping ahead, that he would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That knowledge of him is, is, is not an intellectual ascent. It's a revelation. 
how do we gain wisdom and how do we gain revelation? It comes by having a revelation of Him. And as we get a revelation of Him, revelation just expands. I'm telling you, into every area of life, revelation of how to handle your children, revelation of how to run your business, He will give you wisdom and revelation in the revelation of Him. And I'm praying for that for you this morning. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. See, when your eyes are enlightened, you see. You were in darkness, but now you're enlightened, you see. And that you would know that you would know, not hope, not wish, that you would know what the hope of his calling was and the riches of his glory that you have as a saint, what your inheritance is. We talk a lot about that. The things that we talk about the digital cathedral really are your inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you who believe according to the working of his mighty power? It's not your power. He's awakening us to the power that is within us according to the working of his power, which he demonstrated or worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand in heavenly places. So how much power does God display or how much power does God uh, deposit into your life. The same power that he demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at his own right hand. That's worth crockpotting. You want to think about something for a while? Think about the power that he demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand and begin to see yourself endued with the same power. Sometimes I just meditate about that. I think about that. And it gives me a boldness. It gives me a confidence. I I'm past this point, man. I'm too old to try to get things done in my own strength. Years have given me wisdom to understand I don't have to do it myself. That he's more than willing to do it through me. And that is part of this process of the restoration of all things that we possess but we have been blind to. This next generation is not going to be raised in the blindness that we were. My children, my grandchildren are not going to have to go through the process that I went through. He's correcting a mindset that has limited the possibility of the restoration of all things. We were never taught about the restoration of all things. You know what we were taught? We were taught the rapture. We were taught that we're going to hook them. When things start to get tough in the middle of the night, just before we go down the drain, Jesus is going to come back and rapture us out of, out of, off the planet. You cannot be raptured and restore all things. The rapture is not a biblical concept. There's not one time the word ever mentions rapture, but it talks about the restoration of all things. The restoration of all things, how does that look? It looks, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. It looks like the merger of heaven and earth coming together. There is a, there, right now there's a joining together of dimensions. That's why you're seeing what you see. That's why you're getting the revelation that you give that you've been given. Jesus walked in two dimensions at one time and he went, went from the seen to the unseen. That's how he, he, he did miracles. He, he was able to come into the unseen and bring that into the scene. He, he did creative things. And I've talked to you at the Digital Cathedral about you doing creative things, bringing things from the unseen into the seen. Everything that you'll ever need has already been created in the unseen dimension and now it's a matter if you want to call it manifesting, fine, I have no problem with that. But the honest truth is you're creating in the scene something that was not there before. It was in an unseen dimension. And so the Father works with you. This is part of the restoration of all things. 
And what I'm teaching you is a work within you. It's not a work that comes by your efforts or your trying. It's a work that is within you. The heaven and earth come together within you and then it's worked out of you. It's a great work. It's a good work. It's a powerful work. Now here's what the Bible says about restoration. Let's forget the rapture. Rapture's not gonna happen. I ruptured the rapture back in the 90s. I, I got to understand that was a doctrine that should have never been propagated on the church. And it has slowed the development, it has slowed the maturity of the body of Christ to a great degree because we've been waiting to leave. Even though Jesus prayed, I don't pray, Father, that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil. So he's, his prayer is not that we, we leave. His prayer is that we are kept from evil and that we begin to exercise our dominion. So let's talk about this restoration. What does restoration really mean? A restoration is a full return to the original condition. If you restore furniture, you find an old piece of, of furniture at a garage sale someplace and you bring that home. Some people do a lot of restoration on furniture. You strip it down, you get it exactly, and then all the process you go through to make that piece of furniture look like it did the day that the the manufacturer created it. Some of you restore automobiles. You take cars from the 60s, from the 50s, and you, you strip them down and you, you sand the rust off and you prime it, and you paint it, you put it together, and that car looks like brand new. You have restored it. It is a, a return to original condition. Now, we have not We've not emphasized what the original condition was. We've taken it back to the cross. We've taken it back to Adam. I think it goes further back to that. The restoration of all things, the returning to the original condition, objectively, factually, happened at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It was a done deal. When Jesus said it's finished, restoration was completed. Subjectively, it's happening through the lives of sons and daughters today as they manifest as he is in this present world. So the, so the restoration of all things subjectively is being worked out in our lives. And probably the passage most often quoted for the restoration of all things is Acts chapter 3. I've read it before, but let me just plant the seed in there again because this is mentioned in Scripture where you don't find rapture mentioned in Scripture. I wish that I could dispense rapture out of the minds of people. It has held us back way too long. Acts chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. He's fulfilled everything. The restoration's complete. <clears throat> Repent, it says in verse 19, change your mind, be converted, that you're missing the mark. Your sins may be blotted out and the times are refreshing. The time of re re restoration may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who was preached before, whom heaven must receive, watch, whose heaven must receive. In, Act, in Hebrews it says that he, he finished one work and he sat down at the right hand of the Father until all enemies are put under his feet. That's the restoration. He's held in heaven until everything is restored that was spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. Now here's where the restoration is. Since the world began... Now, we, most teaching does not take us back that far. It only takes us back as far as the garden. Here's what I want to drive home this morning. The manifested sons are the tool, are the instrument of the restoration of all things. That's you. That's me. 
as, as sons and daughters that are manifesting today, we have this tremendous opportunity to live in, in, a, in a face-to-face intimacy with our Creator. He is, he is elevating our consciousness, our perception, our awareness. You can call it vibration, call it frequency. I don't care what you call it. He's bringing us into that place where when we get silent, we get quiet. We, we, we are well aware that we are face-to-face with the Creator. And this relationship is going to uncover for us the Father's heart. And the Father's heart and the, 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 the privilege we have as heirs of God, join heirs with Jesus, and as co-creators, we're going to discover through our identity, as he, as he communes with us face to face, we discover that our identity has always been divinity and that we are seated and enthroned beside him. And as that awareness grows, as that perception increases, it's going to empower us. You've already got the power. The power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You have all the power. But we're going to become aware of it and begin to demonstrate, which will enable us to legislate and govern the kingdom and outworking from within us. It works first within us, then outside of us. And, and to see the restoration of all things on this planet as they were since the world began. You're the instrument. And love is the power. Love is the power that's going to shine the light and dispel darkness and bring the restoration of health, bring the restoration of the life of God into the people who are still darkened in their understanding. It's going to bring peace on the planet. It's going to put this place back in the order in which God created it, including us as people. Heaven invades earth within you. You're the earth. Heaven invades earth, two dimensions in one, and then it's an outworking from you. So embracing, embracing son, sonship begins with our acceptance that we are living the life that Jesus lived as us. So that we declare what Paul does, no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. It's the Christ in me that's pumping life through me. The Zoe life of God, the very life of God, the Spirit of God is, is pumping through me. Now here's the mandate. Here's the mandate to you and me. What is the full scope? What's the full scope of the design from the beginning, from the Genesis? In, in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 28, it says, God said this, and I think this was, was God's imagination. Or I think this, he was creating in his mind. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the earth, and he names everything that's in the earth, the fish, the fowl, all that's in the earth, man is to have dominion over. You're the instrument. You are the instrument in the earth to create heaven on earth. I think that that was happening in the mind of God in Genesis 1, 28. 26, 27, 28, I think was the imagination of God working. Because in chapter 2, verse 7, he, he actually forms man out of, out, of the out of the dust, out of the clay. And he breathes into man his very life. There's no distinction in essence in the life that he breathes into you, the life that you have received from his life. There, there cannot be a distinction. It has to be one in essence. He took of himself and imparted it into us. You cannot separate that. You cannot separate that. People have a hard time thinking that, that we are in essence the same as he is. 
Not, not this flesh. This isn't me anyway. What is me is the, is the breath of God, the very life of God himself that fills my lungs. Now, he, he tells us the same thing in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. I'm telling you something. I'm giving you a lot to crockpot. I'm giving you a lot to stew on during this week because we have not near hit the level of the Godhood that we, that we possess. And I want you to get a visual of that, of God going, and taking of his breath, the wind, pneuma, and placing it within you. And every time you take a breath and exhale, it's, it's a reminder of the one that fully dwells you. And we're gonna read some scripture on that in just a minute. But I want you to see the same thing here in Romans chapter eight and verse 29. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He, he foreknew every single one of us. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. Those that he called, he justified. Those that he justified, he also glorified. So what this passage is telling me is I'm not just an observer in all this. I'm a participator. I'm a participator in the restoration of all things. We all have a call. You have a call, you have a destiny, you have a purpose. And that is, here's your call. Everybody wonders what their ministry is. Boy, back in the 90s, this was a big thing. What's my ministry? I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's to usher in God's overall plan and purpose, which has never changed. Never changed. His, his methods have shifted a little bit with our awareness and our perception. Methods have changed, but the plan has never changed. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work we're, we're getting more aware of at all times. It's not an intellectual endeavor. It's not just intellectually coming to a place where you, you understand. It's a work of the Spirit within. Another passage, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and let, let me pick it up in verse 14. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Everything we talk about at the digital cathedral has to do with that inner man. I have no interest in trying to get your behavior to modify to anything because I know this, when you are strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, it will create an outward change. But we've, 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 we've had the tail wagging the dog for too long. <clears throat> we've tried to make our behavior change us on the inside and never will. That's religion. Religion takes you and tries to modify your behavior to make you a better person. You'll never be a better person by modifying behavior. Here's what happens. We need to be strengthened with might by his spirit in inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. Love is the power that brings this restoration of all things on the planet. And that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes intellectual understanding. It is a work of the Spirit within us. And here's what happens. when we, As we progressively see the height, the depth, the width, the length of the love of God, this agape, this unconditional love, as it comes into us, as, it, as that word becomes our flesh, as, that word, as, the, as his love becomes us and we demonstrate it, he said that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. God is love. 
The more filled you are with God's love, the more demonstration you will be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus demonstrated unconditional perfect love in every circumstance of life. And as that love fills us and changes us, creates a, 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 a world that we never knew could exist before. It is the power to bring the restoration of all things. And, and, and we will begin to walk the planet as manifested sons telling people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You wonder what the Father's like? Watch my life. Paul said, be followers of me as I'm followers of Christ. That's the transit. That's, the, that's where you need to be right now. There's parts of you that you, you may look like the Father, part maybe doesn't look like the Father because you're still exploring the depth, the width, the height, the length, and to be filled with that love. And once you are, once you are, the fullness of God will begin to manifest through you. So manifested sons are the tool of restoration. We've got this, we've got an unbelievable opportunity right now. We're discovering. Here's what we're on. A, we're on a path of discovery right now, and that's fine. That's okay. We're discovering our identity as divinity, and, and we're resting in that sonship. Isn't it good to be able to rest in sonship where you don't have to try to work it out? And we're finding that it's our responsibility for creation as we discover our identity as divinity and we rest in that role as sons you know what happens we begin to see our responsibility for creation's freedom and it begins to be unveiled to us you spend that time in in, in intimacy with the father he begins to unveil that that enlightened understanding is going to shine the light on dead religion it's going to shine light on the systems of the world that are failing all around us. Man, I don't know what you see. I'm not distraught. The platform is being set. Don't get upset. Don't get nervous. The platform is being put in place for the manifestation. The darker it gets, the better it is for us. The darker it gets, the brighter our light shines. Don't get all distraught at what's going on as, as systems crumble. Religious systems crumble. Political systems crumble. That sets the plans, platform for the launch of the kingdom, of the merging that is happening within us to be outworked. We should be encouraged right now, body of Christ. We should be encouraged knowing that the time is at hand. Jesus came as the last Adam to set the record straight on not just the Father's heart, not just what the Father looks like. He came to institute and tell us that the Father is going to extend the kingdom over the entire planet. That was, that was the design. That was the plan from the get-go. So the false religious concept of man's separation from the Father, that thing is dying away. Thank God it's dying away. But it has put mankind in a pit. We've dug a hole. We've dug a pit, and religion has helped us to jump in that hole that we're separated from God, God's angry. That, that concept, that mental construct that Adam developed falsely about the Father, passed down from generation to generation, has gone from your, your great-great-great-grandparents to down, to down through generations to you. But thank God he's revealing today and we're grabbing onto Revelation and at least we've quit digging the hole. We've quit digging the pit and the best way to get out is to quit digging. <laughs> and we're the ones that have quit digging. But that pit has been used to stop the restoration of all things because of our thinking that we were going to evacuate the planet. And so we've lived life, <clears throat> we've lived life until the last, for me, 20 years, 
25 years almost, of putting all things off till we die and go to heaven. That's when the good stuff happens. When I leave this wicked earth, leave this wicked planet, get to heaven, then all the good stuff. I walk on crystal seas, I go through you know, gates of pearl. All the good stuff happens after we die. That's been a lie. That's been a deception. That's been the pit that we've dug for ourselves, but we're coming out of. Nobody taught us about the restoration of all things. Nobody taught us to take the ball down the field as far as we could go and hand it to the next generation. That's so, con so contrary to God's plan to think that we're going to be raptured out of here and that, you know, things are just going to get worse and worse and worse until he comes and gets us at the last minute just before we are sucked down the drain and we're totally obliterated. And then when that happens, Jesus comes back on a white horse with a big tattoo on his hip and he starts slaying all of our enemies. And then at the end of the day, the devil gets 90% of God's created beings. What a fallacy. What a, pipe, what a pipe dream that was. Can you imagine an omnipotent, omniscient father who is totally loved is going to make something, a creation, that he loses 90% of to a lesser power and a lesser force? Absolutely not. The one who knows from the end, from the beginning, set the end from the beginning, and then come back to the beginning, and he's working it right to the end that he has predestined and preordained. Now, he takes in to or your decisions, your bad turns in life have already been calculated into everything that the Father has designed, that the Father has, has foretold. But thinking that things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and he's going to jerk us off the planet at the last second, that is so contrary to the nature of the Father. That is such a defeatist outlook that I want, I want, to, I want to lift the cover on that and I want, to, I want to bring you to a place where you start getting a vision of the restoration of all things, where you start to see this planet, the inhabitants, all of creation put back into the place of God's original intention before time began. From the very get-go, the Father through history has always been the initiator of restoration and he's always wanted to do it through fellowship. Started with Adam. It came through Moses. Remember Moses said, God told Moses, bring all the people up to the top of this mountain. I want to have fellowship. I want to have a relationship. And all the people saw the smoke and they got afraid and they said, Moses, you go tell us what God wants. You go and tell us. God's calling us all again to the top of the mountain, to the top of Revelation, to see things from his viewpoint. What was the sin of that? What really was Adam's missing the mark? I'll tell you exactly what it was. The sin, the missing the mark, was a loss of his personal identity. It was a loss of what God designed him to be. And along with the loss of identity, he all of a sudden had this drive, this urge that somehow he could get it back through religious dead works. And he needed to go hide from God. He needed to clothe himself. If I could get myself covered with these fig leaves, then I could maybe become acceptable to God. It was a work. But the Father's desire in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 to 21 that we read is a full return and a restoration to the initial original plan of relationship. Of, of original identity and face-to-face -face communication and communion with the Father. That's why he's working it in our life. Isn't that what our desire is? It's, it's for relationship. It's for original identity. And as this stuff breaks 
for some people, it's been so hard because it's new wine in old wineskins and it's busted our wineskin. I mean, we've, we've been challenged to the nth degree to keep up with what the spirit of revelation with what the spirit of truth is bringing to the table today. It just keeps pouring wave after wave after wave after wave. I think it goes back before Adam. Before Adam, God's original plan was to be accomplished through mature sons. Listen to me. Adam was innocent, but he was not mature. When Jesus came in, into the planet, he was innocent, but he was not mature. That baby was not mature. Jesus learned obedience. He learned maturity through the things that he encountered in life, including all the time that he spent in the wilderness through temptations. Everything that Jesus encountered those first 30 years was maturing him. He was innocent but he was not mature. And so you and I, we, we, we began to understand what it was to be, to be um, born again. What it, what it really meant that we come to an understanding of who we've always been. What, what happened at the, at the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we were co-crucified, we co-resurrected. And when we came into that, we were innocent, but we were not mature. So God has brought us through this maturity process. Things we teach, things we talk about. Just like, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken. That's what he said. When Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's coming from a place of being a son that is a weas, a mature son, not an apias, not an immature son, not an infant, not a patty on a toddler or a techno on a teenager. Those are all different words in the New Testament that are used for sonship. And he's bringing us through those phases now to where we're we us and the end product is that you be a patier, a father in the faith. We desperately need fathers. He's maturing many of you to be fathers and mothers because I'm telling you there's gonna be wave after wave after wave of people whose eyes are opening. The spirit of truth is reigning strong. It's a tsunami across the planet and we're gonna need those that have encountered every circumstance, every difficulty, every obstacle and have learned how to come through them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't pitch a tent. We don't let obstacles and circumstances derail us. We're using those to be mature. He's maturing us. We, 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 we are spirit beings. See, it, it, I think the restoration includes who we were um, in eternity before we came to earth with this, with this flesh suit. We're spirit beings. We're eternal beings. We were always in the Father. I don't think you were this fat little baby floating around in space or this spirit entity that was... We were always in the Father. We were always in the mind, the heart of the Father. Our spirit came from God. And it doesn't need... You don't have to die to return to Him. What is the Acts or Romans chapter 11 verse 36 is everything comes from God, goes through God, returns back to God. You can walk on this planet as a manifested son as Jesus walked on this planet. You have access. Here's what I'm trying to get at. You have access to eternity now. You are living in eternal life. Jesus said, those that live and believe in me will never die. Can you, can you grasp that? Crockpot it this week. Let your mind think about you're never going to die. Earth suit may, may wear out and drop off like a coat does when you take it off and come in from the winter weather, you take the coat off. But that doesn't mean that what filled the coat disappeared. You're not this flesh guy. I, I am this guy peering out through you this morning with these eyes. I'm, I'm inside looking out. 
You don't, you don't have to die to experience eternity. You can experience spirit wholeness and spirit oneness now. Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, he said, I pray that your whole uh, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, that it be sanctified, separated, preserved blameless. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, and man, we have come nowhere near exploring this verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, I'm, I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get the wording exactly right. I, this is a crockpot verse for me right now. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating the depth of this, what this really means. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He, is, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's, that is so heavy. I don't dare even begin to unwind that because many of you would not be able to receive it. I have many things to say to you, but you can't receive it yet. But just give me a few months. Give me a couple more years. And some of these things, you're one spirit with him. There, there's, there's no other, there's no human being that you're one spirit with. You and your wife are one flesh, but you're not one spirit. He says here that you're one spirit with him. I want you to think about that. The depths of that. What does that really mean? What does that say about me? What does that say about what he has deposited? What he's, what he's placed within me that I can be one spirit. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It's same. We go through scripture, we find the same, the same, duplicated. As he is, so are we in this present world. We don't explore it. We, we pass it off. We say, well, you know, I can't be, I can't be here. I can't, you know, that's, that's impossible. You need to think about it because where the body of Christ is going, where the manifested sons are going, they're going to walk this stuff out. It's going to become evident. It's going to become absolutely clear. We've never explored the depths of one spirit with the Lord. <clears throat> but I'm telling you what, that's bringing you into a right consciousness. So the restoration to its fullness of who we were, spirit beings, before becoming these living beings on planet Earth, that's the heart of the Father. That we, we demonstrate that. We live out as spirit beings. That, that reconnection. That reconnection is what will bring us the wholeness that we seek. Knowing that we're, we're reconnected. From the Father's end, we've always been reconnected. Father's end, things have always been restored. Since the death of Jesus, when it's finished, it's objectively already been done. Now, Jesus is seated. He's sitting down. He's waiting for you and me to complete the work. Not, not go out in the sweat of our brow, but we rest in our sonship. Explore who we are. And let that, let that life flow through us. Let the love flow through us. That's the power that's going to bring the restoration. I, I, I'm going to get into some things in a, in a couple, three months. I'm going to do some teaching about the gospel without beliefs. The gospel without a theology. See, it's, it's the love of God that's going to bring the transformation. It's not going to be a perfected theology or a right belief system. I believe the Father sent the Son to complete the Old Testament, right? The, 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 the destruction of the temple in 70 AD finished the last of the temple and the animal sacrifices. And when that happened, it signaled the beginning of the New Testament. And with the coming of the New Testament and the it is finished comes the restoration of all things. This brought the restoration of all things. It brought the kingdom to the front burner. 
This is where we should have been concentrating on for generations. This is what should have been taught for generations, but it wasn't. It was brought to earth through the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension of which you were fully participating in. And you will be the ones that fully participate in the restoration of all things. He's turning our consciousness, our understanding, our revelation in that direction. When the Old Testament became obsolete, it faded away, then the New Testament came to the forefront. Hebrews 8.13 tells it's fade away, it's obsolete, it's no longer of value. So let me just say this this morning. We're in a period of restoration of all things. And you are the instrument through which he's working. And as sons, it's our time to fully rise and first of all, be restored ourselves. You, you, we're not going to be able to take creation into a restoration process further than what we're allowing ourselves to be restored. That means you've got to get your eyes clear. The scripture we read this morning from Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3 is a process that we have to trust. Trust the process. Trust the process that the Father's bringing us through. And this is going to bring, the, 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 the more we're restored, the more we can restore creation. <clears throat> and it's going to be a natural thing. Creation is, was designed to feed off of man. See, when God set us, in the planet, he said, you have dominion, you have authority, you be the cause that creates the effect. So as we re are returning back to the design that God intended, there is a natural flow of life, a natural flow of deity, a natural flow of original design that it starts to affect all creation. The process of creation's freedom by the revealing of the children of God is fully indicated in that passage we read from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. It's begun. And it's going to continue until Christ is fully recognized as all and within all. Isn't that what Scripture says? That He is all and in all. Not just people. There's the Spirit of Christ that is in all of creation. And it's it needs us to trigger that awakening. All right. I think that's a good place to stop. I'm about four or five minutes quick this morning. Uh, had I known that, I would have dwelled on a couple of things a little bit longer, but that's got 46 minutes and 16 seconds into the teaching. I think you, that's way enough to absorb this morning. I, I know I backed the truck up and dumped a lot on you today. Please take it and think about it. Meditate it. Crockpot it. Roll it over. Let the spirit of truth unveil to you. And again, let me say, just because I teach it, you don't have to believe it. I, I'm not here today to tell you I'm perfect or that I see everything exactly as it should be seen. You adjust it. You see through the lens of Christ, through the, through the fatherhood of God, get his perception and let him restore within you exactly where you need to be at this present time in history. God bless you. See you Wednesday night, Secret Place, back next week on the Digital Cathedral, and we're going to keep pushing the envelope. So invite your friends and don't miss any. If you miss some of the Sundays at the Digital Cathedral or you don't look at the teaching during the week, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be behind because I'm not holding back. I went through 11 weeks of laying the foundation again, and now I'm pushing out. So we're in that phase of pushing out. We're going out. And at some point, I'll probably wind it back and do a little bit of foundation again. But I keep pushing we take three steps forward, one step back. Three steps forward, one step back. We just keep building brick upon brick until we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God bless you. 
We'll see you next time. Have a wonderful week.